Thank you, KC Transport, Armstrong Transport, KC, Carrie DiNucci. Thank you so much. It's getting cold out here, Chattanooga. Starting to feel like fall. Well, should be. It's Columbus Day. We're already here. Happy Columbus Day to my American listeners and happy Canadian Thanksgiving to all of you north of the border. Take a look at how some of you are celebrating already. They got the curling out. I got a few fun facts for you here. The United States, as you know, we celebrate our Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday in November, but Canada's is in October. It gets colder earlier. I think it's the second Monday in October. During 2020, 2.5 million whole turkeys were purchased by Canadians, equal to 36% of all the turkeys that are sold all year. Big time for turkey sellers. And for you guys out there, they're going to ask you all, you know, you might be sitting at the Thanksgiving, the Canadian Thanksgiving table, exchanging gifts moving porridge around, and someone may say, hey, I've been reading on the internet that men are always thinking about the Roman Empire. Well, there's a good reason for that, especially on Thanksgiving. The breaking of the wishbone tradition, it originated when the ancient Romans would pull apart chicken bones for good luck. So you're totally allowed to be doing that. By the way, prices rose. Canada's, they got all the inflation like we do. Theirs might even be even worse. Theirs, their prices rose 6.9%, but it's not even across all categories here. Sylvian Charbois, senior director of the lab at Delhoise University, says, Canadians, don't laugh at me. I massacred that. I know. Turkey, for example, has gone up 18% despite the fact that supply managed. Interesting. Still, poultry in general is more expensive this year. Hey, enjoy. And for those of you who are working from home today with your kids on fall break like mine, I salute you. God bless. Like you, super trucker. Tons and tons of news over the weekend. Let's get to the one that relates to freight first, though. The UAW has announced another strike. Labor action everywhere this year. And last night, the UAW posted just about 12 hours ago, breaking 4,000 UAW members at Mack Trucks have voted to reject a tentative agreement and will strike at 7 a.m. on Monday. They're doing that right now. Their president, Sean Fain, said, I'm inspired to see UAW members at Mac holding out for a better deal and ready to stand up and walk off the job and win it. John Hitch tweeted, Mac president Stephen Roy said, we are surprised and disappointed that the UAW has chosen to strike, which we feel is unnecessary. We clearly demonstrate our commitment to good faith bargaining by arriving at a tentative agreement endorsed by both the UAW and UAW Mac's council. However, the problem is only uh, 73% of Mac members rejected this. 73% of workers rejected the proposed contract over here. Uh, strike involves 39,000 workers at Volvo Group operation plants in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Florida. According to CCJ, this is what they're fighting over. The tentative agreement, which the two sides had worked towards for three plus months, includes a 10% general wage increase in year one for all employees, a compound 20% increase to general wages over five years, and a guarantee of no increase in health insurance premiums through that term of the contract. They're getting closer. They're just not there yet. And as their president said, hey, I thought we were arguing in good faith. Why the action now? Thomas Wasserman will be on later. I'm going to talk to him about how this may impact trucks, truck volumes, uh, truck sales, and all that kind of stuff. We will get into it. And as you know, since mid-September, GM, Ford, and Stellantis have been on strike as well. So the fall of labor action. Happy wedding to What the Truck contributor Rachel Premack and her new husband, Alan. I believe they got married over the weekend. Sharing... 
along with me, a Columbus Day wedding anniversary. Mine, I was married 10 years ago, so mine isn't until Thursday. Happy anniversary, honey, Jess, I love you. Thank you for 10 years. Hopefully, uh, Rachel and uh, Alan will be joining us 10 years from now during our 20th. Also, heartbreaking news, videos, news, reports out of Israel. We're not going to get too deep into what happened to Israel. This isn't a geopolitical show, but it is awful what happened over there, and our thoughts are there. I had to say something to you guys. On today's episode of What the Truck, let's get to what's on deck. I'm talking to armchair attorney Matthew Leffler about the landmark TQL verdict. Now that a judge has ruled TQ owes thousands of former employees overtime pay, what's it going to mean for every other brokerage out there? Freight fraud is out of control. Freight validates Nathan Ebel's new software solution that combats fraud has just dropped. We'll figure out how it works, how you can use it. It's for both brokers and carriers. He says it's a neutral platform. We'll find out what it does. Freightwaves Thomas Wasson. He's going to be on here. He's going to break down trucking markets that strike at Mack Trucks. We're going to talk about warehouse automation and much more. And so, you've been in a trucking accident. Now what? Wattsman Diesel House's Sam Watts breaks down what to do in a worst-case scenario. Plus, we got rate the strap work, roadside performance art, and horrible truck stop creation. So let's tip the band, and we'll get started on today's show. Looking for a new adventure? Take the next step on your career journey with AIT Worldwide Logistics. When you join their growing team, you'll collaborate with expert colleagues around the world to create innovative solutions backed by world-class customer service. If you're ready to push the supply chain envelope, your next adventure is waiting. Visit the career section at AITWorldwide.com to learn how you can join their team. And Q4 on a new team. Start Q1 on a new team. Get going with AIT. And hey, they can't be doing that bad if they're hiring, right? Of course not. Tough market, but they're doing good. But now let's talk to Sam Watts at Watchman Diesel House, who is here to make America Freight again. It's my MAFA gang. Exactly. Exactly. No, I got to give a shout out to Jason down there at Lowboy Industries. He's the one that made the shirt. And and uh, anytime I wear it, people always stop me and like, what does that mean? I said, what do you think it means? It means we got to make America Freight again. You know, I'll tell you something about that company. He started that with his son. And I think his son is going off to school or something. Because if you guys are looking for a freight t-shirt company, I believe he's put this up for sale. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this this is 100% for sale, and I highly encourage you guys to go check them out, Lowboy Industries. Uh, I, I Rumor is that I am the one that inspired uh, this design, so I don't get any kickback, but that's all right. I don't need a kickback, but I'm just saying, if you if you want some freight uh, apparel, Lowboy Industries is the way to go. Well, you got plenty of money. You just bought this new guitar over here. What are you strumming now? Show this thing. <laughs> what is this bad boy? That That is a beautiful Taylor guitar i just got it yeah thanks for bringing that up that's 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 fantastic uh yeah i've been playing uh guitar for 20 years and i've been kind of on like this intermediate entry level thing and and uh i i knew a guy who knew a guy and the deal was perfect and so i pulled the i pulled the trigger i i went to my wife first i said hey how about something like this and she actually agreed so you know no more questions <laughs> just just do it and, and get it so that's what we got now. So yeah, I'm strumming that bad boy uh, on the weekends at church and in my uh, in my bedroom there. So yeah. All right, Sam. Let's say I was I was in my truck. I'm a guitar player, and I was strumming too late in the night. I didn't get enough sleep. I'm out there driving, and I get into an accident in my truck. Now what? Let's talk from the driver level first. What do you do if you're a driver and you get in a truck accident? Sure. Well, first thing first things first is you got to panic. Just drop to your knees curse the sky and uh, and just curl up in the fetal position. That's typically what I instruct my guys. 
But if you don't want to do that, okay, so you just got into an accident. That sucks. It happens, though. I mean, you talk to the best drivers out there. Uh, there's a there's a handful that will, you know, they've got uh, 5 million miles action-free. Congratulations. That's a massive deal. You should be celebrated for that. But the best of the best still, there are times when it happens. So if you get into an accident, the first thing I always tell the guys or, or, or the drivers, let me say that, the drivers, not all drivers are guys. There's some ladies out there too. It's fantastic. Uh, but the first thing I always say is get to a secure location because more than likely this happened on an interstate or a highway or an intersection. Uh, make sure that you get to a spot that is safe to get out because you don't need to cause another accident because of your accident. So that's always the first thing I say is get get to a safe spot so that you can exchange information safely so that uh, so to point number two, that is you contact the local authorities, uh, make sure that they have a safe spot to get to. Um, but, yeah, contact the local authorities then make sure that they're on the scene. Uh, and I always say you got to contact them because for two reasons, one lawyers are getting very good now and they're getting very quick. And if you don't contact the local authorities and the other party says that they, you know, I'm fine, not a big deal. Uh, I feel fine. You know, we'll be okay. I have seen recently now some issues where someone said, hey, I'm fine. I'm cool. We're, we're good to go. As soon as they're done, a lawyer contacts them. They find them. I don't know how they do it. They have to talk to a lawyer on that one. Maybe Matthew can answer <laughs> that one. Um, but they find these people and, and they contact them and say, are you sure that your neck feels okay? Are you sure your back, you know, is good? And all of a sudden they go, well, I, I'm not sure, you know, so you got to make sure that you contact the local authority so that they have a record of the, uh, of the other party saying, hey, no, I'm I'm OK. Uh, there's no injuries, because if, if you don't report that stuff, uh, lawyers will figure this out and they are really, really good. Uh, there's a reason you pay them a lot of money per hour because they are very, very good. And like I said, I've seen issues where lawyers will get these people and all of a sudden now you've gone from just like a minor fender bender to potentially a million dollar claim that you are now on the hook for. I, I have seen it. It's it's unbelievable how how these guys will do it. Sam, let me let me so, ask you. Let me ask you. So you, you yeah. get in the accident before we go any further. So I'm the driver. Do I need to do uh, in in terms of like healthcare? Do I need to see a doctor for a drug screening? And do I also need to have like a checkup to make sure I myself wasn't injured? So it all depends. Basically, and there's a chart that I, I came up with and, and it's posted on my LinkedIn. So feel free to go find me on LinkedIn uh, and you, the chart is there. But basically, if you get cited in an accident, if you cause an accident and the, the cop issues you a ticket, you will have to go in and get a, a drug test. Uh, more than likely to be a blood test as well. They'll, they'll take blood out of you just to make sure. But now I say all that if there's a fatality involved, God forbid someone dies in an accident, you will have to do a drug screen. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But if you get hit or if you if there's an accident of some sort and you are not cited, you are not given a ticket, uh, you more than likely will not have to do a drug test. And I, I just had an issue with this where one of our drivers got hit and even the local authority said, all right, well, we're going to take you down to do a drug test. And I called them. I said, 
did you cite them? And they said, well, no, they didn't get a ticket because the person ran into them. I said, they don't need to do a drug test then. And, and turns out uh, I was right. Uh, and so I made sure my wife understood that too, that there are times that I am right. Uh, and in this case I was. So if it's not your fault and you don't get a ticket, you won't have to do a drug test. Now, if it is your fault and you do get a ticket, you hit somebody and the cop says you're at fault, you will have to go in and do a drug test after that. Interesting. So what do I do as the carrier? My driver's called me up. He said, sorry, Sam, I got into an accident. We're in an issue now. What do you want this? What do you what do you use the carrier need to do? What does that driver need to do? What do you want from him now or her? So, yeah, the the big thing I always tell drivers to after they get into an accident. No, don't ever admit guilt, fault or, or guilt or fault. It's just that simple. I, even if you 100% ran into a person, don't ever admit the guilt or fault because we don't know what the other car was doing. The other person might be drunk. You know, the other person might have been texting on their phone. There, there's a whole situation, bunch of situations that could have happened. So I always say, don't admit any guilt or fault. Let us handle that. Let us in the office uh, handle all that kind of stuff. The insurance companies, let them work on that part. But just make sure you get all the information uh, and then communicate with dispatch, communicate with the company. A lot of companies will have uh, uh, accident forms that you have to fill out or a lot of them like like us, we've gone digital now. So you just scan a QR code and then you can fill out the accident form. I want as much information as you can possibly give me. Uh, there is no such thing as over communicating when it comes to an accident. Make sure you take a ton of pictures too, okay? All the trucks right now, and I'm speaking to carriers right now, all the trucks should have dash cams in them. If you do not have dash cams in your vehicles, you need to basically park them until you can get them in because they will save you a ton of money, a ton of time, and a ton of effort trying to figure out what happened. So we need a lot of pictures though from from the driver because a lot of times the dash cams might not pick up the aftermath or how bad the, the collision was, uh, or it might not even catch a collision. Sometimes like you'll get T-boned or something like that. So, but we can at least tell the car's coming. Uh, we can see the impact, but get a ton of pictures. Okay. Don't just take one picture from far away, get as many as you can get the information from the other driver. If they'll let you, and this is also another key part to getting local authorities out there is because sometimes the other party doesn't want to talk to the trucker. Uh, I don't know if they're nervous about them or if they're scared or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. But if you get the local authorities out there, they'll talk to the other driver. They'll get all the information you need and then give all of that to dispatch. Let us handle that. Let the let the office people handle that for you. So the driver doesn't have to worry about, oh, did I do I need to contact them or this or whatever? No. Send all that into the carrier and we'll take it from there. Sam, should I, if I'm taking all these pictures, can, is it okay if I upload them to my Twitter, to like LinkedIn to get some clout from people? Or is that maybe a bad idea until the investigation's over? Totally. Yeah. Tweet that stuff out all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tweet that out. In fact, I, I you know, I'm not a Twitter guy, so that, that don't, no, do not share any of that information. Okay. Uh, we'll just send it to us. Okay. Yeah. I, I appreciate the clout remark. Uh, and you would be, maybe you wouldn't be shocked uh, of how many guys would like to do that. Hey, look at what just happened sure. to me. You know, I just got into an accident. It's like, stop it guys. You know, I always tell some guys, you know, sometimes you're just your own worst enemy. And, you know, you got to knock that off. Just get the information to me and we'll be we'll go from there. OK, just let let us handle it. Sam, am I getting fired if I'm a driver and I got into an accident? Is that the likely outcome here? 
I can't speak for every company is going to be different. Every company's got their own policies. Uh, it will go on severity for a lot of them. Uh, and it depends on what you, the driver, were doing. Uh, obviously, if you were texting and you got into a, a massive accident, yeah, yeah, you're probably going to be fired for that. Uh, if if it's, you know, a truly an accident, like someone came off the on-ramp, uh, you know, I can't speak for every company, but it goes with severity. If you're doing something you shouldn't have been doing, if you were drunk, if you were texting, if you were high or something like that, and you get into an accident, yeah, you're probably gone. But yeah. if it truly was an accident, you know, the traffic stopped in front of you quickly or someone cut you off, uh, I would say probably not. But again, every company is different. And uh, that's probably a really good question to ask when you're in orientation for a, a new company. Anything that we missed on getting into an accident, what you need to know? I, I don't think so. No, you did a fantastic job asking the right questions. Uh, but yeah, just again, over communicate. OK, I don't know of any safety people out there that'll say but not ah, with social okay, media, over communicate with, with your lawyer and your, your carrier, not social media, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do, don't post that stuff. Uh, nobody in the public needs to know it. Uh, just make sure the carrier gets it. Make sure you're cordial with the other uh, group. Make sure the cops are on scene. They get a report and uh, and you should be good to go. Sam, awesome stuff. People who want your safety advice, your safety information, they just want to connect with you because you're a nice guy. Maybe they want to hear you play some of that guitar. Where do I send them to? Yeah. Uh, well, you can send it to my LinkedIn. That's about the only social media I really do anymore uh, just because it's, I, I think it's it's great for me. I, I really enjoy it. So uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I think it's I am Sam Watts, uh, I am Sam Watts. And you can, uh, you can find me on there. And I post great content daily and uh, you will not be sorry to connect with me. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us, Sam. I appreciate your time today. Make make no America freight again. Make Math America fun. freight again. <laughs> Take it easy, sir. Take it easy. You, you know do. he brought he brought up a good point. So if you are only on X, there's a great freight X community. If you're only on LinkedIn, there's a great freight community there. But they're very different. So I would recommend you guys out there you join both because on LinkedIn side you get a lot more brokers, you get uh, venture capitalists, you get a lot of the people who are making big decision makers, and on the X side you get a lot of the day-to-day -day worker side. You get to see a lot of life of truck drivers. So I would highly recommend both. There's definitely not enough truck drivers on LinkedIn, in my opinion. Speaking of truck drivers, you ever make a tombstone? Meanwhile, this is the Leffler special. He just he cannot make his decisions up. So he's just got to take a squirt <laughs> of everything. I did this before when I was younger. I mean, it's never good. It just tastes like sugar and like corn. Oh wait, I didn't. I didn't go this far. We used to do this thing when I was in college where you'd have like the wheel of shots. You guys ever do that? There'd be like some gross shots and some good shots. It was almost. It was like as dangerous as like the. You ever have the Harry Potter jelly beans? Like, you can get one that tastes like snot or, you know, it tastes like a muffin. That's kind of like what the shot roulette was that we would do. This reminds me a bit of that. I mean, people would always throw up during that. Is this guy just, is this guy going to drink this or is this just for the cloud? Because he even put the creamer in there. And I cannot imagine the creamer blending well with the citrus in, like, the Slurpees, for example. But, like, he's got even more cream. Maybe, well, I don't know. Have you guys tried the, the Ninja Creamy? It's like all the rage with these bodybuilders I know. They make all their protein shakes and it makes like ice cream and you make your own ice cream in it. I wonder what this would taste like if you froze this and put that in the pine class and made like the tombstone. Did he even put powder cream in there? 
Yeah, I mean, like, it just gets progressively worse as it goes on. Ew. Well, I didn't drink it. I don't know. I, Matthew Leffler, the armchair attorney, would you, would you have drank that? Do you think they drank that? No, I don't think that they did. And I'll say my son and I over the weekend made Nuka-Cola. It's root beer with cream soda and Coca-Cola, and it was actually quite good. So I do enjoy mixing things, but that's a little bit too much variation for me. You know what? I actually, I hate, like, I did the mixing when I was a kid, but I hate it so much. I don't even like when they have those remix machines because sometimes you'll get, like, a Diet Coke, but you'll get, like, a hint of cherry in it from whatever the last person before you selected in the remix machine. I, I choose not to do that. This is just messy. It, it is totally messy. It's totally messy. By the way, on that accident thing, anything you thought we missed? You're, you're, the, you're the lawyer's side. What should that driver do? I mean, this is the main thing is connecting with dispatch so they can connect with the insurance company. At the end of the day, whether you're liable or not liable, you want to make sure you're communicating with your insurance company so they can defend you properly. That's going to be a very owner's process. And the thing I would definitely say is that if you're in an accident, it happens. It, it happens. This is the nature of having the most distracted society ever. So it's not a, a fault of you necessarily as a driver. It is an inevitability with the way that our roads operate. Absolutely. And that's why we're trying to give you some information on the process. Now, let's move on from truckers to brokers, because there was a landmark verdict for TQL. Tell us about it, Matthew. So this is a 13-year-long litigation filed in 2010, gone to trial 2022. Verdict came out September 26, 2023. This is brand new and fresh. At issue was how TQL classified trainees, uh, new hires in their freight brokerage business. What they did, which was an error, was make them exempt employees, meaning for the purposes of overtime, you don't get it. So these folks were working between 60 and 70 hours a week, making tons and tons of phone calls, available nights and weekends. And ultimately, after 13 years of litigation, TQL is on the hook for overtime wages for 4,500 people that were part of this class action in the state of Ohio. I was looking at these dates, and if this tells you that you don't ever want to go to court or take in a court, just look at the time frame here. September 2008 to mid-April 2016, that's how long these people have been going back and forth. And then it wasn't just settled. It's 2023 now. It's still happening. I mean, this is the thing I've learned from my, my talking about this, talking with Clarissa and others in the space. You guys have done a phenomenal job at Freight Waves. This classification is endemic in our industry. It's not just TQL. It's literally everybody. And Ken Burns' testimony, Ken, sorry, Ken Oak's testimony about how he made that decision was from the Transportation Intermediaries Association, guidance he took from them. How many more companies took guidance from TIA when it comes to classification? And the, the numbers are astonishing. The low end, from what I've estimated, up to $100 million dollars in liability. But I've heard others say up to $200 million. And this is just for the 4,500 folks in Ohio, as you mentioned, from 08 to 2016. Wow. You know, the TIA respond and Ranky from the TIA respondents said the this unfortunate precedent could stifle hiring innovation among TIA members. TIA will continue to track the progress of this case as it proceeds. That's a weird statement considering that TQL was found liable and the industry may be changing or like... We, we talk about the ATA so much. Like, why are these trade associations that are supposed to represent truck drivers and, and brokerages out here just undermining wages? They sit there as to, to basically make sure the status quo is, is kept in place. They are not here to benefit every single freight broker, every single truck driver. There are special interests that pay their exorbitant fees. And TIA has done a, a remarkable job in convincing this industry that they are the, the voice of the freight brokerage community. And when a freight brokerage goes to them and asks for advice, 
keep in mind, these associations, they're not fiduciaries. They're not putting themselves at risk when they say, this is what we think you should do. They're not giving you legal advice, even though you think maybe they are. And this idea of keeping wages this way, this is a great example. You might be paying ten dollars to $20,000 more per broker in order to achieve what this verdict comes out to be. And this is a, the a feature, not a bug of the system. It's how do I take the most amount of value from a worker and pay them the least amount I possibly have to. And now TQL is going to have to deal with this. And this is going to be a substantial case. And it's just the beginning. They say that only 5% of these trainees would even make it through the program. That seems like it's kind of baked into the model that they had, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they're exactly right. I mean, you come in, we give you a thermos, we give you a great sweater or a bag, but you're going to have a non-competition agreement. And for the next 26 weeks, you're working ridiculous overtime hours. And by the end of it, 95% of you leave the business. This is a meat grinder and they're designed to be meat grinders. What I will say though, is this trend we're seeing in this litigation may just exacerbate or accelerate the idea of offshoring to make it someone else's problem when it comes to managing workers that are productive people. But you're exactly right. It is not designed to make you thrive. The social media posts that they put out about how happy everyone is, they are with, by the end of it, a coercive environment where you're working way more than you're supposed to be, being underpaid, breaking the law, and then at the end of the day, a non-competition agreement to say thank you when you're all said and done. So are all the other, you know, are all the other brokerages taking shelter? There has to be lawyers that are licking their chops to come after more cases. There was a win here. The wound is oh, open. Absolutely. This gives you this document, this 50 page order is the roadmap for attorneys who want to understand the liability of freight brokers. TQL fought for 13 years. This is what we call in my business, bet the farm litigation. Your general liability policy does not protect you. This is money you have to pay out of your operating capital. And for lawyers out there, whether you're on the defense side or you're on the employment side, uh, you're going to see an opportunity because these cases are just getting started. Just from the messages that I've received over the last couple of days, there is a massive appetite. And it's not just TQL. Many of the biggest brokers we think of are doing the same practice, taking the guidance from the TIA and this liability. It's astonishing. And it's also important to note for corporate officers, you are personally liable, individually, jointly and severally liable for not making these payments. So if your company goes bankrupt and you can't pay these bills, they're coming for you. They're coming for your car and your house and your bank account. And there's very little you can do to stop it. Do the brokers who make up the class of this class action suit, are they going to see any money from this? How, like, how does that Absolutely. work? Absolutely. Every, every time I'm in one, I get like 63 cents. They're like, Ticketmaster says you can have two free tickets to shows nobody wants to go to and three cents. I think you're going to see several thousand dollars per broker, whether that's 10,000 wow. or 15, you know, hard to say at this point, yeah. the legal fees are going to be paid by TQL. So TQL must pay the plaintiff's legal fees. So a lot of times in class action, you go, well, the lawyer is going to take 20% or 30%. Maybe not in this case. TQL will end up paying for a lot of this for the, the plaintiffs. And so they're going to pay a bunch of money to put websites out and send emails out and send letters out to all the 4,500 class members and say, hey, uh, you may be entitled to a big chunk of money. And it's going to be a big chunk of money. If you're talking 26 weeks in that initial trainee program, that might be 26 weeks of overtime wages. And it could be 400 bucks per week or 1,000 bucks per week, depending on how many hours you're working. So if I'm a broker and right now I'm sitting here listening to us and I'm like, this sounds a lot like the training program I am in. What advice would you give to that broker? 
I'd say if you're broker management, uh, call your lawyers now. Call them now and find out what you should be doing. If you are a broker in this environment, you may talk to HR and say, hey, what's going on here? But you also might go to Discord or Reddit or Twitter, like you mentioned, and see the case being talked about or see it on freight waves. And maybe the first call you make is to a lawyer to find out what options you might have. What I fear for a lot of people is maybe there's going to be changes. So a freight broker says, I want to do the right thing. I, I thought TIA gave me the right advice and they didn't. I'll change it. Once you make that change, a worker's going to say, wait a second, like, why did my compensation change? Did something happen? And then they're going to look it up online and they're going to see, oh my gosh, there might be a claim I could file. So the next few weeks and months are going to be very, very challenging for big freight brokerages, medium-sized freight brokerages, and all the workers who have been taken advantage of for many, 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 many years. I don't think I can think of a year that I've been doing this in this industry where labor action has been so much at the forefront of everything like it has been this year between Yellow, what's gone on with TQL and this big lawsuit, and you also have the UAW who just advanced another strike on Mack Trucks today. Are the, are the employees taking over? What's going on, Matthew? We have been looking at this for years. Labor has never been a static issue. It has always been challenging. Whether you're talking before deregulation, after deregulation, what we see is just the inevitability of how this industry operates. We operate on razor-thin margins. Many people forget it's a feast or famine business. And every few years, things change. What's going to happen ultimately is the acceleration of offshoring, the acceleration of automation. But workers that are still here have rights. And these rights don't just come out of nowhere. The Fair Labor Standard Act has been around for a long time. People just don't know what their rights are. And I, I do find encouragement that more people are interested in learning about them. As for the labor strikes that are going on, this is, again, a typical thing that happens when you have down markets, people have le stronger leverage to negotiate, and the negotiations keep going. Maybe they end up like UPS and they get a great deal for the Teamsters. Maybe they don't. But at the end of the day, these things are going to continue to happen because they've always happened. Matthew, during the pandemic, we talked so much about black swan events and the impact that they have. Right now, we wake up today on the perception. I mean, it almost seems like we're on the cusp of World War III, right? I mean, like, mm. that would be one hell of, uh, of a black swan event. That would be the black swan event of black swan events. Ours, uh, do you think we're headed there? That's a really interesting question. I was up last night reading about NATO and its relationship with Israel. Because if you're a NATO country, you declare war on one of them, you declare war on all of them. Yeah. And that's what we, we, it's only ever been used one time, and that was with the Afghanistan conflict. As far as I can tell, we're not seeing that maneuvering, but American forces have been moved. Aircraft carriers, destroyers have been moved into the Mediterranean near uh, Israel. This conflict is very, very frightening. And I think that our hope is to see some de-escalation, to be calm and to reserve judgment. I don't want to see more boots on the ground from American soldiers or from CIA operatives, but this machine keeps moving. And if we don't try to stop it, it's going to keep going. I don't think we see World War III from this, but my gosh, if you see an armed conflict between Iraq and Israel, I mean, sorry, Iran and Israel, because Iran has been ostensibly funding the folks in, in, in Palestine, um, this is a really scary moment in time. There's no it doubt really, about it. I mean, you even had Saudi Arabia say that they're not interested in normalize. They're stopping at negotiations to normalize relations in in Israel. We've got that going on. We've got we've got China. We got situation that may happen in Taiwan. Obviously, Ukraine, Russia. Scary times, Matt. Scary times. But thank you for helping us make sense of it. Knowledge is how you win battles. Supply chain is how you win wars. Matthew, how do people connect with you? 
You know, I, I'll go with what uh, Sam said. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Matthew Leffler. You can find me on Twitter, Armchair Addy. Thank you for putting the handle down there. I talk a lot about things like my family, my faith, supply chain, law, fish, and geckos. Uh, probably not what everyone wants to listen to. So my niche audience is very finite, but I appreciate having a chance to come here. And that's, again, Big shout out to Clarissa from your team. Um, yeah. And same with with Grace Sharkey. This story is going to have legs. TQL is just like other ones who have been hit before. C.H. Robinson, Echo's been hit before. So this stuff is, is happening, but it's very rare that our industry says, let's talk about it and see what we can do to fix it. And the more people know about it, the better off we all are. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate your time today, sir. Have a great week. Thank you for having me. Take care. All right. Did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics has been recognized as a top performer by Cranes, Forbes, Inbound Logistics, Transport Topics, and yes, even Freight Waves? They're on our Freight Tech Top 100, our Freight Tech 100 list. Boost your job satisfaction, regain a sense of purpose, and open your career opportunities with one of the fastest growing organizations in the industry. Visit the, uh, visit the career section at AITWorldwide.com to learn more, and you can apply over there today. Elsewhere. All right, deep breath in and. All right, I'm going to get the back joints. And deep breath. Okay, deep breath and the spine. Deep breaths and the ribs. Okay, deep breath. This is for the jawline. Deep breath in, deep breath in. <laughs> hey, it's Nathaniel Abel, Director of Business Development Strategy and Partnership at Freight Validate, who I have to give a little cowbell for to celebrate because today is the launch of Freight Validate 2.0. Welcome to the show. Hey, appreciate it, man. Good, uh, good to be on here. Thanks for the invite. Where are you coming in from? <clears throat> I am in Kansas City, Missouri. So uh, just right outside of Kansas City. Oh wow! Is it you've got like Taylor Swift fever over there because the whole Kelsey thing? Man, that is uh, that is quite the story here in Kansas City. Typically, it's just the Chiefs and really good barbecue. That's the headlines. Uh, but yeah, you throw a little Taylor Swift in there these days for sure. So it's uh, it's kind of kind of uh, overwhelming but uh yeah it's always a good time so hey what what so what's the big announcement what is freight validate 2.0 why'd you guys release it today yeah freight validate 2.0 we're super excited about it like you said launched today october 9th and uh it, it's it's really an enhanced version of what was kind of a simple idea that was launched gosh probably five or six months ago now um, our owner, gentleman by the name of Dale Prax, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee gentleman, uh, he launched kind of a kind of a beta version, kind of more of a an idea about five or six months ago. It was kind of Freight Validate 1.0, if you want to call it that. And it was just with the simple idea of giving both brokers and carriers the idea and the ability to have a platform that they could go search and find and have the ability to validate to see if who they're doing business is fully compliant and fully legal. Well, it's, it's, it's really, it's really developed and kind of morphed into and grown and, and kind of came to life over the last couple months. And, uh, and so we've added a bunch of technology. There's some, some specific features that we really are really excited about that, uh, that uh, freight validate 2.0 has now uh, that both carriers and brokers are going to be able to, to really, really benefit from. So tell us, how, like, how does it work? How, how does one go about getting validated? Yeah, so whether you're, whether you're a carrier or a broker, all you do is go to FreightValidate.com. And if you're the owner, principal, or uh, an officer of the company, you can go and uh, register and, 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 and get your company validated, right? That's kind of where it starts is you got to validate your company first, right? 
basically what that, that looks like is they go through just a little registration process. We do have a facial recognition piece, which is super exciting. So we actually know who we're doing business with and, 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 and we can, uh, we can validate the, um, the, with certainty who actually owns the company and, and really all the details there. Uh, but they just go through a simple registration process, takes a few minutes, maybe five minutes total. And then once they complete that and it's validated, that means that their company is validated. They can start bringing on employees and, 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 and other you know, agents or drivers or what have you. Um, and then once they subscribe and once they, uh, once they are actually in the system as a validated company, they subscribe and now they can start to see all the other companies, uh, both carriers and drive, or I'm sorry, both carriers and brokers who are also freight validated uh, to see that they're doing business with companies that are, they're, they're just doing business the right way. You know, we, we kind of have a little, little saying, if you will, you know, the, the whole idea of the cream will rise to the, to the top. Uh, that's what we think is going to, going to happen. And it's already started. Uh, we've, we're actually really excited about what's even taking place just this morning. So, so there's other solutions out there that, that, that claim to prevent double brokering by doing their own forms of validation. How is this different? How is this better? Well, yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, there are a couple other platforms that are specifically tailored to the broker side of things, right? Uh, which is great. I mean, they need, they need some help. They need some, uh, some tools to be able to use. But so do the carriers. Uh, as of today, well, uh, before today, there was actually nothing out there in the marketplace for carriers to be able to go and vet uh, brokers, Right. And so when Dale started building this out, I came on board just shortly after uh, he, he got it up and running, is we wanted just a totally neutral, totally unbiased platform that would allow, again, both carriers and brokers to validate who they're going to do business with. Um, and as far as maybe just a couple, there, there's quite a few, but maybe just a couple differentiators uh, that Freight Validate has is first that facial recognition piece. Um what we believe to, to be one of the biggest reasons why double brokering occurs, identity theft occurs, even cargo theft to an extent occurs, is you hardly ever have had a, had a way to actually know who you're doing business with. You know, I, I mean, I always say this just, just kind of jokingly around, but I can say that I'm Nathaniel Ebel all day long. But what if I'm not? Yeah. And you would have no way of actually uh, of actually knowing that. And so, with the technology that we've built in um, uh, for the the facial recognition piece specifically, we're really excited about that because uh, when somebody takes a picture of the front and the back of their license, they take a quick selfie, and then they and then it gets sent in through our technology. Within literally a couple seconds, we know if that's the same person that uh, that that's that that saying that who they are. Right. And then it kind of continues down the path of all the verifying the company information, uh, all the information for the, from the FMCFSA secretary of state, the DOT. And then there's a handful of other proprietary pieces that we, that we've built in as well. Um, so that alone is going to set things apart big time. Uh, but also just the fact that it's for both carriers and brokers and in the United States and Canada, uh, definitely sets us apart. I, I think uh, pretty far ahead of the game. So no, we're, I, we're real excited about it. I was, the reason I asked that is I know some of those other services are very controversial with truckers and drivers because they feel very targeted by them. Your, yeah. your side seems to bring in that other side of the puzzle. And maybe because it's more neutral, people will be more receptive to this kind of stuff because they see that there's value on both sides. And I think the issue with the other ones was like, like I just said, I think they just felt they were targeted by some of these things. Well, that's what we've heard for the last 
several months. And, and I'll even say this probably worth mentioning. So I've been in the freight industry coming up on 15 years, uh, actually mostly on the brokerage side, uh, helped run an asset based group prior to that for a few years. Uh, but it's been primarily for 12 plus years on the brokerage side. Our owner, Dale, he's actually been in the industry uh, for over 30 years. So combined, he and I together uh, in the freight industry as a whole, we, we've got almost 50 years of experience uh, on the motor carrier and brokerage side as a whole. And so we've just been seeing this for a long time that the industry has been so divided, kind of like to your point, you got brokers over here, carriers over here. And then shippers right over here, which everyone's trying to go after these days. Um, but there's not really been anything that's been able to help unify the industry and help bring the the pieces of the puzzle together. And primarily because it's been a lot of uh, a lot a lot of conversation, but a lot of technology recently that's been more divisive than anything else. You know, if if a platform is only for one group, it I mean by default it automatically kind of pushes the others to the side. And so with, with Freight Validate uh, launching today, um, we've just gotten a lot of great feedback. And in, in, in while, while we were doing beta testing for a few months from both carriers and brokers is that this is genius because it absolutely evens the playing field for everybody. And it does truly make it a neutral, uh, a neutral platform that's not subjective data. It's just factual information. There's no, um, there's no algorithms built on opinions there's no there's there's no uh coding built on well do we think somebody is projected to do uh bad business or or potentially going to be a double broker that's all opinion based it's subjective our our platform is totally based on facts today is this person doing business as a fully uh fully compliant fully fully legal company yes or no freight validated or not well i'm a listener i want to check out freight validate how do i go about doing that yeah absolutely so FreightValidate.com is the best way to check it out. Just go into the website and get some more information there. You can obviously check out our, our LinkedIn. Uh, we, we're, we're posting a lot of content on a regular daily basis through LinkedIn, both myself, Dale, and our business page. Uh, but yeah, we're super excited, man. Today is the official launch date. Uh, we, we've been in beta testing for about three months prior, and uh, we're really fine-tuning this thing. And so we, we think it's going to really help, uh, really help the industry as a whole. Good luck to you and the team. Take care, sir. It's nice meeting you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Take it easy. All right, now my buddy Kumo D, he had his bonehead trucker moment over at the truck stop. Roll the tape. I finally get this. I finally get to shoot a video for bonehead truckers, man. Let's check this out. Y'all see that USA truck right there? All right. That ain't how you're supposed to do that there, driver. That ain't how you're supposed to do it there, big time truck driver. You could have pulled forward like my man did, Freight Show. Or get any one of these parking spots up here, but no, yo Rudy Tooty Fresh and Fruity Candy had to park up there because you special like that. Uh, uh, uh. Can I get a shame on the mess from the congregation? Shame, <laughs> shame on the mess, Pastor. Thank you, Sister Washington. Uh, uh, uh. If you don't follow Kumo uh, D on, on X, you, you better. He's, he's hilarious. You follow Kumo? I want to check him out now. That was great. He put hilarious him on last. Guy. What are you doing here, Thomas? How are you feeling? I mean, just looking at it. It's Monday. You know, just kind of showing on up eventually. They had carrier update and freight waves now, so uh, uh, usually see me on Tuesday. But a lot of stuff going on. It's 
it's getting kind of wild out there. There's so much going on. Cusp of <laughs> World War III. I was just talking to Leffler about the uh, TQL verdict. Before I jump into markets, yeah, yeah. real quick, what did you think about that verdict? It's a landmark one. Leffler seems like it's really opened the floodgates, the, the gates of Mordor to more lawyers and, and more brokers bring suits against large brokerages who uh, have been, by law now, deemed to be uh, abusing employees. Well, it's kind of like that moment where, uh, you know, you feel like the extinction event of the business model, because if you think about it, this is primarily what their business model involves, is having these quasi-workers who are operating in these roles that are very fuzzily defined, and you basically take advantage of them until they're good enough or they don't quit, and then you expect, like, only 20% of them to make it. So when I was it was 5%. 5%. 5%. Wow, that's, yeah. That's, and that's a, that's a feature. And so that was only in Ohio. Keep an eye out because ambulance chasers smell blood in the water. It could be Shark Week for uh, TQL and other affiliates. Do you think that TQL Stadium, we got a picture, <laughs> TQL Stadium loses its uh, naming rights? <laughs> they got to add a few extra letters. They're going to have to do a, a sharing agreement. You know, when you rent the office space, you can't sure. afford it. You got to sublet it, TQL and something else. Slink dot. Oh, he said it should, it's Fraser in the back, so it should be slink dot. They're too busy cornering the Zamboni market. <laughs> TQL slink dot AOL time Warner. We got this. Just well, go. with markets like this, we might not be able to afford to sponsor stadiums to begin with. Let's take a look at Freightways National Truckload Index, seven day average. We sit at 228. And if you look at that chart right there, it looks like it's kind of just been a limp, dead heartbeat. I don't know, since what, May? We've been on life support for a while. I mean, when you're talking about the bottom of the market, we had such a crazy market for the past two years that it lingers like that 90s song, except you have to let it linger where everyone else is letting it linger. That, that's one of the concerns because you'd like to see some upward movement, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, just too many trucks on the road. And that's kind of one of the, the more ruthless things to say. But when we talk about too much capacity in the market, y'all, there's too many. There, where's the drive? If there's a shortage, we would assume these rates would continue moving up. So this is a you know capacity-driven situation, typically on the spot market, because, you know, when we see a lot of drivers who just come in, it's not like they get con contracted rates. No, and, you know, we're seeing these stay stable as we see, like, a record number of authorities bleed out of the system, too. That tells you just how much capacity was in there. And it's been challenging for us freight forecasters to really figure out where this is going to improve. And we were hoping in the spring we would see some upward moment, but now movement. But now we move into the fall. Show volumes right here. I mean, there's just, there's just nothing to prop us up. In fact, I'm looking at a big dip in volumes today. So we do have dips. There's an ongoing dip. dip. Uh, some of it is related to a UAW labor strike, but as well, when we have a large drop in data like that, there's obviously potential for revisions. Yeah. So one thing to watch out for is, don't look at the exact number and say it's like 2,000 or how many points. Look at the fact that we are seeing movements and have full expectations that uh, you know when we do see this event, we're going to double check it because we know something's going on. We see that with rejection rates as well, and that's another thing to watch out for, and all the labor talk, uh, you know, it, it does feel like this chain reaction, a domino effect, where one union's like, I got 40%. Now the other two are like, I want 40%. Is this Ozempic? Is Ozempic eating our freight volumes? That's what they're saying. Like, I just read, Craig retweeted something yesterday. It was, it's funny how some of the marketing around Ozempic is going, but one of it was like by 2030 or 2035, one to 3% of calories in America will be like wiped out by 2035. People are going to, and it all stems from one offhanded comment that Walmart made during their earnings call, which is like, yeah, we think we're seeing a minor like blip in the baskets. I contend it's probably because Doritos went from 299 to 6.99. but you think Ozempic eats our freight? Volumes are Americans resilient and we figure out how to keep our caloric needs high. Man, that is such a great question. I'm so 50-50, but I think the most entertaining outcome is that Ozimbic 
causes an issue where we have to find out ways to make food more tasty to offset the ozempic. Oh, because you're not eating enough ozempic. Correct. So you're going to have to make it to where this is going to be like super, super crazy CPG foods. We're going to have to get our mad scientists out there and make like Lunchables Plus or yeah. Lunchables Max, like HBO and the other ones. You know, we're going to see an upgrade because it's an arms race. You know, you eat a lot of tasty food. You raise the prices. You make a pill to counteract a tasty food. Now we just need tastier food. But yeah, I love the, I love the theory that freight volumes could take a decline <laughs> because we're eating less. I told, I, look, I started up, so... <laughs> F3, 30, 30, 29 days away now. Yeah. 29 days away. Go to live.freightwaves.com to get your tickets. But that's coming up. I got to do some work on stage. I got to do work on the What the Truck thing. So I've been putting on myself on a 1,500 calorie a day diet. Oh. So I got to tell you, freight volumes, you're not going to recover on account of me. That's about a 1,000 calorie cutoff. It's going to be big those. time. I'm going to tank the market. But you know what? Not intermodal volume. Luke Velasca just tweeted this. He said domestic intermodal volume rail containers up 5.7% year over year and up 7% month over month. What do you think is going on on the rail? I mean, rails had issues for the long time. They had problems with their containers, with service levels. They had drama. They had baggage. So, you know, I had a Taylor Swift pun somewhere. But now that we're seeing rail in a situation, they're highly incentivized. They need more volumes. They've been cutting their rates, the spot rates as well. Now that we are seeing more fluidity in the market because of lower volumes, I would expect the rail volumes to go up. Now, there's a tale as old as time, which is ship it by truck or by rail. Right now, trucking is so cheap, but if we do see in the first half of next year, if we see a continuous move, if rates can improve, then you'd see probably a lot more transferred back to rail, because they used to haul a lot more, but trucking's so cheaper, a lot of folks are like, ah, let's put it on a truck. Yeah. Let's take a look at outbound tender rejects for a second here, because we saw volumes down. We saw rates static and dead, but rejects have ticked up Slightly, not a huge jump, but they're up. And we are seeing the rejection rates upswing because it's, it is a combination of factors. In a month and a quarter had some impact, labor impacts that began on like September 15th. We see a lot of smoke whenever we're looking at this number. Higher rejection rates can also be attributed because maybe you no longer have that lane that was an automotive lane. So now I got to reject the load that's coming out of it because you don't have an inbound load. So we have a lot of reasons for it. If I see between 5 and 7%, that's when like nature's healing. Hmm. Well, one of the charts we like to look at is the spread between contract and spot rate. Can we take a look at this one right here? It doesn't look good. You can see the, the only time spot was really above it was during the pandemic, that big run up. But the problem with that is that during that time, we talk about those record number of authorities. You had a lot of new entrants coming to the business, and they only learned how to eat and to pick grass and to pick berries <laughs> in the spot market, right? And now they're in a completely flipped market, one that's sort of based on contracts and relationships. And they're kind of, is that a scary chart? I mean, it's an, if I was exposed to the spot market, I would say it's a very scary chart. A lot of them, not only do they just barely learn to pick berries, they probably just barely learn how to sign their name on the dotted line for that uh, truck payment as well. We typically see this number between 25 and 50 cents. You know, uh, rule of thumb, contract's always better than the spot, you know. So, but with this continued prolongedness, uh, you know, contract rates have not fallen to the extent there's higher cost in the system i could go two two ways on this is 80 the new 50 that's the first question and then the second question is what is it going to take to see this go down because rfps are going to be going into effect we're going to see another bid round and typically it stair steps downward every quarter on our contracted data unfortunately for us though it, it, since we've been in this freight depression it hasn't put pressure on spot at all Right. Like it's 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 just even if they draw down the contract volumes, it hasn't really mattered that like our distance is as big as it's been at 81 cents. 
Yeah, I mean, it would take it would take a lot of movement before we can say that like uh, the pricing, the pendulum is, is is moving right now. It's it's so rough out there on the spot market that you know for most of these carriers, the goal is just ride or die, quite yeah. literally. So put something in the back and haul it. So yeah, I would I would continue watching that because uh, it is a 14-day lag. So we are waiting to see you know this into Q3 stuff. So there is a little bit of lag on the contract side. Get your popcorn out because there's a lot of geopolitical events and other things going on, uh, especially in energy markets, things that impact trucking. We don't think they do that could cause a little bit of craziness. We didn't get any hurricanes, really. So I guess we have to kick it up the no- you know kick it up a notch in other ways. So some people have asked, they're like, why do you keep covering the UAW on Want the Truck? What does this have to do with trucking? It has a lot to do with trucking. First of all, you mentioned it touched in those volumes. But now it's actually a trucking company that's on strike. Mack Truck this morning, 4,000, just approximately 4,000 workers went on strike this morning with the UAW. They're holding out for a better deal. Used truck prices have cratered. Good if you're buying one. But what is this going to do to the truck market with a pro? prolonged max strike. I mean, two, twofold. One, larger carriers who have access to automotive freight, it's time sensitive, and there's a lot of volume. So it's like a pillar of their network. You have an automotive strike like that, that's kind of a, a big deal when you're looking at what is this going to be. Uh, parts of Pennsylvania, Florida, these are dispersed. It's not just your Kansas Cities, your Detroits, your Louisvilles that we're starting to see some volatility. For example, when UPS went on a strike, uh, the, the lingering effects uh, for 10 days in the, the or mid-90s. It took three months for the system to work it out. That's just on a UPS network. So we can imagine as this goes on, the truckload side will see disruption because not only the main auto plants, but the tier one suppliers, the little, you know, the ones who help move things, they're going to have pro- even cross-border movements because, you know, the finished goods coming out of Mexico or Canada, they're being assembled or the parts coming up. It's, it's this weird like butterfly effect. And that's what we're looking at. It's, you know, they had an endorsed deal. We thought we were in the clear on Monday. We thought yeah. we, they came through the weekend last Monday. We thought we were in the clear. This is, this is fine. But then 73% of the members rejected it. But I don't think there's going to be a prolonged one. I think they're, they're close. They're getting there. Uh, I think the president of Mac was like, hey, we're in shock that you went this direction. I think we're going in good faith. And I think that their intention is probably to continue in good faith here, at least in this particular negotiation. I think so. I mean, Mac was a portion of Volvo. Uh, it's a subsidiary, one of the Volvo groups. They're all umbrella corporations, of course. But uh, this is such a great negotiating tactic, though, because you say, look, we got a deal. I'm the UAW. I, I got this. Let me send it to my my members. 73% are like, heck no, we won't go. Yeah. And so then you're like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I tried I tried to help you help me help you. So, yes, I mean, this is this is bargaining. This is a, 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 We're going to see the same thing on Friday, the strikes uh, with the big three. Yeah. Uh, they also fail to really expand yet. They're slowly easing up the pain because they know the same thing. This is like a tightrope. Yeah, they uh, didn't when, do anything. On, I think they were busy with like Mac or something like in the background. Because yeah. usually every Friday they've been taking action. And then this Friday, it was more like uh, we're, we're advancing the deals. It wasn't sort of necessary, but maybe Sean Fain was busy negotiating with Mac. Slide of hand. They hyped it up with memes. They're, they you sure know, do. this is great. Social media, the UAW is deploying memetic warfare. I have never seen a situation where in a labor negotiation, we are doing dank memes. And so I think it's so clever. They hyped it up. They hyped it up on their social. They're trying to do that brinkmanship. And then boom, activated my trap card. Mac Trucks is going. Freight chaos. If you want public opinion on your side, you need to learn how to meme. And if you, you don't, <laughs> you don't learn how to meme. It'll just suck. Now, a lot of bad deals in trucking. I want to show you a video right now, and then I want to discuss it. Roll this tape. Big rigs, you see them everywhere hauling loads to make money. When GOS got a chance to invest in a commercial trucking business, it sounded like a great way to oh, earn cash. So Famous last words. If I'm looking to invest into something, it has to be something that makes sense. 
So at the time, it looked like it made sense. He's talking about Movers and Shakers Logistic LLC, owned by Jean Blanchot Monjoie in Palm Beach County. Gio said Monjoie took him to see his trucks at this lot in Lake Worth. I went to the yard, and when I saw the amount of trucks that was there, I'm thinking to myself, okay, he said he's making six figures weekly. Obviously, this guy is doing something that's working. Gio says he invested about $40,000 in trucks and expected a nice return. On a monthly basis, we were expecting anywhere from five to 10000 Like, why? Okay. Watson, first of all, big, uh, the biggest red flag here is when the guy tells you something you really want to hear. You're going to make five to $10,000 a month on a $40,000 investment in this business? It's, it's so, oh my, I, I love it. And then there was later on, there's another gentleman who put like 137000 into it. And look, trucking is a low margin business. It is super low. A good margin is like 5 to 10%. If you're doing 10%, you're like doing something right uh, from my personal experience. And so uh, I hate to see this because we've seen in an instance where even with housing, Airbnbs, rentals, trucking comes off because of social media content. Just look at TikTok. It comes off as too good to be true. If anyone ever offers you in trucking to buy some used trucks and say you're making a return, let me just, let me stop you right there. Trucks are depreciating assets. Large fleets buy tons of them and depreciate them and sell them to make more money. The people who are offering you a deal are not doing that. They're taking your money and then good luck trying to get it back because it's really hard to enforce it. They liquidate really quickly. The barriers to entries are so low. So yeah, you can, you're playing whack-a-mole. I mean, one person even tried to, to sue them and in these instances, if these companies are underwater, you're not going to get anything. Yeah, like what are you going to sue them for? It's a black hole. They yeah, for giving them money. <laughs> well, the, his partner, we didn't play the whole tape because the tape goes on for like five minutes, but his partner was like, I, this is dead to me. I'm completely numb to the whole thing. Like, I, I just wish it was gone. Yeah, and when you're, when you're doing that, there's great report. You can find the free reports when the equities analysts want to invest in a trucking company. And they say straight out front that like, Sometimes the business may just go crap up. Maybe we go out of bankruptcy because it takes three weeks and you won't get your money back. Like the trucking companies themselves have explicit details if you invest in them saying our business model's kind of jacked up and you may lose your money. There's a reason why valuation, they're a canary in the coal mine for stock portfolios. Yeah. You know, they're not, we're looking at a value. We want something with real estate. That's why you see your hunts, your XPOs, your RXs, all these groups that are multimodal combos. You have something. Uh, even with yellow, its carcass is worth billions of dollars because it had assets. With trucking, you're investing in, I mean, it's like you and me going on boats. I buy a bunch of boats and I take you to a, a random dock and tell you, look at all these boats, but you don't check if they're actually mine. That's what happens. It's fleecing. That's it, what you do. That's what you're doing over there by the boathouse on the Tennessee River, I aren't am. you? I Selling am. boats that aren't it's yours. called the boathouse. That's where I take my investors. All right. Do you, do, <laughs> hey, do you like robots? You Robot, seem a little oh, nerdy. Yeah. Do you like robots? You better like robots. I'm a big fan. You're a big fan. What do you think about warehouse robots? Take a look at these automated warehouse robots. I mean, hey, look, people talk about automating trucks all the time. Those get the headlines. But, like, this has to be a hell of a lot easier to automate than a truck. You know, there's an HR person and a workman's comp person with tears of joy in their eyes whenever you see this. Because it's very dangerous. The reason we're seeing this automation, especially in these areas, is, one, it's hard to get labor. Yeah. And, two, the laborer gets injured. Pallets fall on you. Other things fall on you. You fall out of the back of the truck. I mean, we will probably see more of this deployed because it's a one-two punch. Um, you know, warehouses are still struggling for the labor aspect. And then Amazon's a great example in other warehouses. They're pioneering the, the innards and the stuff behind it. So there's a lot of cool things to watch. I don't think it's going to take everyone's jobs, but we are going to see some savvy folks do it. Because I didn't even see any lines. That thing just magically pulled up. I mean, someone remote controlling it. Because normally you have, like, a lot more to make sure it doesn't put it in the wrong spot.
FedEx just got a couple of those box loaders. This uh, this Redditor says, LOL, and the loads will still be, truck will only be loaded at appointment time one hour before or after. Next available appointment three days from now at 0400, receiving from 0700 to 1400. Well, the robots need a, a smoke break, too. They'll charge you an extra 300 for a lumper. It's just it's going to be an well, people say, someone said, and they'll still charge a lumper fee. Of course they will. they got to pay for this really expensive technology. A lot of it has a SAS component, too, so you're not paying the labor, but you're paying like the computer brains of all of these things, the SAS component, to keep it running. Yeah, so, you know, robots as a service. You're going to have a robot with a New Jersey accent that's going to try to fleece you for $300 an hour. You're just, that's the future. We've already set the expectations. How about rate the strap work as a service? We'll skip the performance. Go to rate the strap work over here. You, th you think this could work? We could just set these up right here at like F3 and we can let everyone go out my balls. <laughs> They gotta pay for that experience. They gotta pay for that experience. Oh my lord! I, I think he's gonna have a lot more problems than strap work at the end of the day, because that's uh, you know, uh, kinetics and everything else. It, there's a what lot an of awful way to ruin your vacation. Just rug burn right there. Isaac, rope burn. Thomas, where can they find you? Check it out. Freightways.com. Loaded and rolling. Got a newsletter out. Comes out every Tuesday at two, and then YouTube.com. Loaded and rolling. I get around. I'll be on X. Well, cool, man. Give me a little knuckles. You can find me at <laughs> Timothy Duna. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find the show at FW What the Truck. Look it up on Freightwaves YouTube. There's an entire What the Truck playlist. Or if you're an audio listener, like to listen to me while you're walking your dog for some reason, you can look it up on audio. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Take care. Don't be a stranger.